It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. That is where all of the written content lives. Uh, there's the free tier, the $6 a month tier, the $10 a month tier, all give you different things. All of the things that you get in those tiers are listed when you go to subscribe. Uh, $10 tier is, of course, the film preview and review tier. Those stories will be back, I promise. Um, right now, I will. Uh, my, I, I am kind of... Uh, we're in survival mode, as we have talked about here on this show a couple times, and those stories will be back. Basketball-specific ones will be uh, coming down the pike. Just got to, you know... Uh, football preview, basketball preview, game stories are priority, and I have only so many hours in the day. I have about 24 hours a day, and some of those need to go for sleeping, and not very many of them <laughs> are right now. Uh, I will t- I will say that. I promise you, not very many of my hours are being spent doing anything other than writing about these teams. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you'd like to subscribe again, go to www.theagship.com. Um, I am joined, as always, here for this uh, Utah State-Boise State football preview podcast by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Uh, we're going to talk that. We're going to talk some news. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball. We are also going to record, after this, the uh, Q&A show, the monthly Q&A show for those $10 tier subscribers. Uh, so we will be putting that out shortly as well. Uh, Parker, how's it going? What's up, Patrick? Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on. It's it's an mm-hmm. awesome. It was a huge week, and of course, football uh, does not stop. Basketball is is just t- you know taking off. Um, it'll be fun. We're gonna get to two shows today. So if you are, um, if you do have access to that uh, that Q and A show, um, that will be on the tail end of a marathon recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. But if not. Um, there's still, I mean, we have a lot uh, to go over in this show as well. So it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good day. Yeah. We are also going to make what I would describe as a concerted effort, not to go two hours on this specific episode so that we are (laughs) not recording for the better part of, uh, the next three hours. That would probably not be good (laughs) given the amount of stuff that we are doing currently. Um, so, uh, without, uh, without any further delay with that in mind, uh, there's some big news here to talk about this week before we can jump into Utah State's matchup on Saturday with Boise State, uh, and that would be news related to the Pac-2, as they are being called, uh, Oregon State and Washington State, and how their situation relates to the Mountain West. So this week, for just the, the context, and we're not going to dive too deep into this, but it is newsworthy and, and I think worth talking about. Um, this week, Oregon State and Washington State uh, won a, a a pretty significant. They they claimed a pretty significant victory in in court about their kind of control over a lot of the administrative stuff of the Pac-12, control over the Pac-12's assets, over the remain over the other Pac-12 teams which are departing. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to fully understand all of the, the court jargon that, that, you know, goes with that deal, but they won and it kind of, uh, it, it opens up a door for these teams to move forward with where they would like to go in the future with conference stuff, with, um, you know, money stuff with all of this. And this had kind of been on pause while they were doing this court case. Uh, I'm sure that there's more court case stuff to come, uh, but for right now, those teams are starting to move forward. Those programs are starting to move forward. 
Um, and there's a Yahoo Sports article out this week from Ross Dellinger uh, out on Thursday morning about where that path forward will likely lead. Um, and it uh, it includes the Mountain West pretty significantly. It includes the Mountain West. Uh, reading here from Ross says, The schools have re-engaged with Mountain West officials over a two-year football scheduling alliance with the league in an agreement that may serve as a first step in a long-term partnership or even a merger, sources tell Yahoo Sports. Um, there was a call between administrators on Wednesday to further discuss details. There were more meetings planned throughout the week. Um, they are, uh, it sounds like getting pretty close to, to finalizing this. Um, and, uh, it says here again, reading from the story, the two sides, uh, are believed to be close to an agreement over terms, but a deal is not complete and may not be finalized for several days. However, models for a potential scheduling alliance were developed and socialized over the last two months. Uh, it says that there, there are many scheduling models. The most likely is what's termed a seven plus one format where Mountain West teams play seven conference games, not eight plus one game against either Washington State or Oregon State. Uh, they would rotate the game against either OSU or WSU home and away over the two-year cycle. Um, it also it goes on to say later on that for teams who already have one of these two on the schedule, it would just be that the other one is also on the schedule. Um, those games are not expected to count toward the league standings. Uh, so it kind of works like Notre Dame does in the ACC. This is not a, a, a brand new thing. There have been, you know, schools affiliated with leagues before. Um, the uh, the Pac-12, those, those two members would not be eligible for the conference championship. They would be essentially... Uh, like again, like Notre Dame, independent, still able to schedule out the rest of their their season, but they would have seven games automatically from the the Mountain West opponents, I, I believe. Um, so that that's that's the that's the basic idea here. It continues on to say that it would include a lucrative financial package for Mountain West members, uh, and is likely to feature a long term commitment to the conference with an intent at a full merger beyond this two year cycle. Uh, part of the agreement includes a financial penalty that can be levied upon Oregon State and Washington State if the two programs attempt to acquire only a portion of Mountain West schools in the future. Love that. Love that uh, that that yeah. little uh, amendment there. Um, the uh, not a ton, the rest of this is not, I don't think, terribly important for us to talk about. There's a lot of TV deal stuff. There's a lot of of, of right. money stuff. Uh, the only other thing here that I that I was very uh, that, that kind of interested me was the uh, the paragraph, for now the scheduling alliance is football only. Oregon State and Washington State are in discussions with other leagues to create affiliate memberships for their other sports. I'm curious about that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, on the first part, uh, this seems to me like good news for the Mountain West. This seems to me like I, 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 think, it, I think it makes sense. I, I think that it reads to me like... Uh, the 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 pack two wants to use the full time of the grace period that you get uh, as a conference where you have two years if you dip below eight teams where you can continue to function as a conference for those two years but you need to get back up over eight within you know by by the end of that period uh, or they will or the NCAA will take away basically your <laughs> your 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 ability to be a conference uh, you will no longer be considered a conference. Um, and so I think it makes sense to do that, to spend those two years kind of building those relationships up with the Mountain West and, and working towards a long-term 
solution. Um, you have, you know, you have more time to figure out everything to get all your ducks in a row, TV wise, to figure out what assets go where, what money goes where, all of this stuff. Um, and then in the meantime, you make things a lot easier on Oregon State and Washington State for scheduling and and for you know, making sure that they have enough games to play because it is really hard to schedule 12 games independently. Um, it's hard to do. Yeah, especially There's, that late. Yeah, yes. with a year. Yeah, yeah especially that late. There's a lot of teams who already have their non-conference slates set, um, and you don't want to be in a situation where, uh, like, this happened to, you know, this, this happens to, like, Army sometimes. UConn and UMass, I know, have issues with this, where you're playing, like, two FCS teams in a season. You don't want to be doing that. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so I, it feels to me like essentially a, you know, a, an I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine situation where the Mountain West is helping these two out right now with a deal that would be pretty favorable to them for, you know, scheduling purposes with the thinking that then down the road they will have that relationship established for a full merger, which would not just be picking and choosing teams from the Mountain West, but that would be transporting the whole thing over into a uh, something of a new league. I would assume it has a new name, uh, but that maintains a lot of the biggest value adds of the Pac-12 brand because that was what that court case was about. Um, that right. makes sense to me. That feels like a pretty good a pretty good approach. Yeah, no, I think this is great news for the Mountain West. Um, it's it, it's and good for the, the remaining Pac-12 teams as well. I think they were put in a very difficult situation. You mentioned like, your your options at this point are, you know, playing two FCS teams or like, um, if if you know our listeners remember a couple of years back, I think it was New Mexico State and Hawaii that did a home and home in the same year. They played yeah played the same team twice. That those those are not um, good solutions, particularly when you are you know a power five team like these two teams are. I mean, you you can get away with it when you're New Mexico State. Um, so this is a huge, I think, breakthrough for both both sides of this um and and i think it's set up in a way that could be really mutually beneficial of course where i'm sitting from my podcast chair i'm much more interested in um, the mountain west side of things the utah state side of things um and there are two big parts on on our side that uh that are significant and the first part is that word intent so there's a good part and there's a bad part that that word intent is not um that's very ambiguous i think it's ambiguous by design yeah um, they're not laying out a plan right now to merge. I think these two teams still want to keep their options open. They still want a Big 12 invitation if it if it's going to come. They want to. They don't want to be in the Mountain West. If they wanted to be in the Mountain West, they uh, they would be. Quite frankly, they they already would have been um, admitted into the conference. Yeah. Um, so that is the the concern. But the the huge part, the the really really good part for the Mountain West is that financial penalty if these two teams decide, Hey, we're going to, we're going to break up the band here. And we're only going to take the top six teams, top eight teams, top 10 teams. Um, that's huge. This is really, really good news for the mountain West because it's basically telling Washington state and Oregon state um, you join the mountain West or you join the big 12. There's no in between here where you get, um, you know, there's, there's been speculation of, well, what if you take the top, top of the American, the top of the mountain West and try to create a power conference. That's not on the table. I, I don't know that that's ever been really feasible, but the mountain West is, you know, digging their heels in and saying, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take, you know, Frankenstein this together with some of us, some of the American and, and the remaining PAC 12, 
that's not how this is going to work. You're going to, you know, you're, you're playing with San Jose and Wyoming and Hawaii. If you, if you do this. Um, so I think there's still, there's still a lot of question marks on how this really could play out, but this is huge news. It's going to be good to have that uh, these games on the schedule and kind of ease into things. I think it's also an easier way to sell it to um, the fan bases and the donor bases of, you know, the Oregon state and Washington state that are used to being a power five in a power five conference. And, you know, it, they're, they're facing a very tough truth right now is that they, unless you're one of the top brands, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think it's an easier way to sell that to, you know, the people around those programs and, and ease into this, but yeah, a good overall, I think. Yeah. That's, I, I think that that's a fair way to, to put it. The, uh, the mountain West comes off as, as united with this, I, I, I think would be the, the, the way to, right, yeah. the way to put it is that it is not really left up for, it's not really ambiguous, right? It's not like, oh, well, you know, the, the, the mountain West is considering all options, including, uh, you know, jettisoning, jettisoning uh, San Jose State off to the wilderness, right? Like that's not in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah. there is that there is language in this about specifically, it's got to be everybody. If it's going to be a merger, it has to be everybody. Is I think good news. I, I, that says that the Mountain West uh, is is taking seriously what it said that it would this this off season, which is not breaking up the the league. Um, not uh, not splitting, not having just a couple teams departing. If if everybody is doing it, then everybody's doing it. It's not everybody minus you know San Jose State and Hawaii. It's not uh, it's not the top six. It's not it's not that kind of thing. Um, which I I think is really good news. <laughs> I I don't want to see this this group of teams broken up. I think that the Mountain West has a pretty good thing going for it right now. Um, and if the worst case scenario of, of this, you know, real, this batch of realignment is that Oregon state and Washington state end up getting an invite to the pat to the, uh, to the big 12. Um, and you know, the, uh, or, or like they try to, you know, maybe they do manage to pick off one or two Mountain West teams, uh, but they have to pay a penalty for it. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse than that. Having that, absolutely, having yeah, that absolutely. language in the deal, I think is 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 you know valuable and as important as anything else in the story. Um, it could be, yeah, it could be much worse than than this. Uh, that they're establishing this relationship, but setting the groundwork of this is not the kind of deal where you're just going to come in and, and and pillage, right? Like it's it's going to be we're helping you out here. This is not really the other way around. Your, you know, the pack, the pack two's assets are only so valuable. Um, and they're going to be less valuable <laughs> pretty much as yeah. soon as, yeah, pretty much right. as soon as it's no longer the pack 12, which is after this season, that money is still there. And some of those deals are still there, but those deals certainly aren't going to last beyond their current contract length. And they're probably going to be For restructured sure. yeah. within their current contract length. Uh, because the you know Fox and and ESPN and whoever else doesn't want to pay the same amount of money for a league that doesn't have any teams in it, save for Oregon State and Washington State. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly. going to be a different deal, and it's going to be a different deal if the Mountain West merges as well. But 
Um, I, I, I think that that, I think that makes sense, setting that as the groundwork. The other thing that I did mention, the, uh, you know, that they're, that they're in contact with other leagues for creating affiliate memberships. Um, for some sports, I think that that, that obviously is, is necessary. The Mountain West does not sponsor, you know, wrestling. It doesn't sponsor, uh, rowing or, or swimming. And and those are sports at those two schools and you got to find a home for those. Um, Mm In some other sport, and, and baseball is, is weird because some schools in the Mountain West have it, not all schools in the Mountain West have it, and you know Oregon State specifically is a very good baseball program, and so I would understand wanting to shop that around because that would be a valuable, you know, a valuable thing beyond the scope of the Mountain West. Um, but like, uh, and and this, you know, there's really no specific detail in this that says that this wouldn't happen. Um, I don't think these two are going to do any better for basketball than the Mountain West. I, I would be, you know, oh, yeah. I don't know what yeah, that, absolutely. because like, what, the, you're, the Big 12 doesn't want you. You're not, they're not that valuable of basketball programs. They're, they're, they would be valuable to the Mountain West. They wouldn't be to the Big 12. The Big 12 is maybe the best basketball conference out there. Um, so what is it? The, is it the WCC? Is it the, yeah, you know, are, you join, are you joining the WAC? Are you playing with Utah tech? Is that the plan? <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I mean, your, your options are, yeah. Big West, WAC, WCC. Yeah. Big sky, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. Big doesn't, sky, doesn't, yeah. That doesn't really seem fitting of your, of your, like the mountain West has been sending, you know, three or four teams to the tournament every year. That's a, right. That's a pretty yeah. good league. That's, <laughs> that would be, I think about as good as oh, you it's... could, as you could hope for in oh, general. Yeah for these for these programs if it's not going to be the big the big 10 or the or the big 12 yeah and you got to keep in mind too this uh uh the travel you know travel expenses are a lot more relevant with with other sports outside of football football you don't travel as much and it's a sport that brings in all the money um you don't want to be you know they're they're going to focus on regionality here with with basketball and the other sports you're not going to see them sign up with the acc or the big East yeah. um, good, good basketball um, conferences for sure. Uh, you're not going to see that because that that's a lot of travel. Um, so you're probably going to see, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it still does work out where they, they end up working with the mountain West. I, I would prefer that if I, you know, if I'm one of these two schools, the mountain West is the best you can do. And the mountain West, I think would, would welcome that, especially with the idea that we're going to merge, but I think they're just kind of keeping their options open because, as you mentioned, there's there's just so many moving parts outside of football. They they sponsor a lot of sports that we don't, um, and they they have to figure that out. So I, I would say these details are going to come at some point soon, and, and it'll probably shake out that whatever the Mountain West can accommodate for, we will, um, and everything else they're going to have to find a home for uh, and go from there, I think. Yep. Yep, I think that that is uh, where it stands right now. Let's jump into football. Uh, Utah State will be hosting Boise State this Saturday. It is a game with quite a few stakes, uh, both for this specific season and obviously for a a long-running series. Um, It will be senior day for Utah State. They're recognizing 10 seniors. I had that list in in my story. Let me see if I can go and find it real quick. Um, it was a surprisingly small list. Yeah. Uh, Michael Onyanwu, Sione Finau, um, Cooper Jones, Calvin Knapp, Wade Meacham, Hale Motuapuaka, uh, Xavier Steele, MJ Tafisi Jr., uh, Terrell Vaughn, and Levi Williams. Uh, those will be the seniors who will be recognized. And so it has that value. It has the importance of these are two five and five teams looking to get to a bowl game. Um, it has the importance of uh, the history that, you know, 
I'm sure I'm sure everybody's going to wince at, but it's there. Utah State has lost 19 of its last 20 against Boise State and has dropped seven in a row. It has been since 2015. Um, last year's game was obviously, you know, one in, in a in a pretty long line of, of very difficult defeats for Utah State to to, to swallow. Um, trailing by five with less than two minutes to play, eleven yards away from the end zone and from a lead. Uh, and then offense stalls, interception, Boise State has like an eighty five yard tail and green touchdown run. Uh, and then a pick six to win a game that it, it very well could have lost uh, to win that game by 19 points. Um, that's rough. That's a, that was it was just it was really good and then it was really 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 bad and there was basically no time splitting the two. It just went from really good to really bad. Um, and so yeah. it has that importance as well. It's a rivalry game and it's a it's an unbalanced rivalry game right now and it, and it has been for yeah. quite some time. Um, this is a big one. This is always a big one, and it's it's especially big this year, uh, as as these teams fight for for the circumstances that they find themselves in within this this current season. Boise State now without its head coach. It will be interim head coach Spencer Danielson, the defensive coordinator, leading the charge here after Andy Avalos was fired. I don't think it's going to matter a whole lot for this specific game. Um, and uh, it's a big one. It's a big game. It's a big, it's a very big football game. Oh yeah, this is a huge one. Um, Boise State, Utah State, that's always one that Utah State wants to circle on their calendar. You know, the fans get excited for it. Um, but as you mentioned, this is this is not this is not a competitive rivalry. And no, and I, I really hate well. to say that. Yeah. Um and even, you know, you mentioned um uh what, like nine of the last to, uh what 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 did you say? It's nineteen of the last twenty and nineteen of twenty yeah, including seven in a row. Um, right. And then even good. just overall is five and 22. Yeah. Um, since we met first in 1975, we beat these guys five times. And I think there's, uh, you know, this is always a reality check for me because um, I know that there's these teams that have just dominated us throughout history, but it seems like there's just for some reason, you know, Mandela effect or whatever, it feels like we've been more competitive since we've joined the mountain West. We haven't, we've beat no. these guys once since we've joined the mountain West um, which is very, very frustrating and very difficult. It was a blowout win in Logan, 52 to 26. Um, but they have, they've blown us out, you know, five times for every time we blow these guys out. Yeah. Um, and it is a rivalry, I think emotionally and, and everything, but a lopsided one and we're going to get into it. But, um, you mentioned some of the, uh, uh, the struggles that they have, I guess, coming into this game, they, uh, lose their head coach or fire their head coach and they have some injuries and some guys leaving the program. Uh, they don't care. They yeah. this is a game that they expect to win no matter who's slinging the ball, no matter who's on the sidelines because they've they've won twenty two, you know twenty two and lost five. Yeah. Um. This is the way that we felt kind of about San Jose State early in the season, earlier in the season, and the frustration we felt when we lose because of how we've dominated that program is how they feel towards us. I think these, uh, they they don't care where this game is. They don't care that it's in Logan on Senior Night. It's just a game that they expect to win, and we're going to get into some of what they have going on. They they do have a lot going on, and they, this is not a good Boise State team. It's not their peak um, by any means, but this is a game they just they just expect to win. They they find yeah. ways to win. You mentioned last seat, last year uh, that that game is kind of just ingrained in Utah State's memory. That that is a type of game that just feels like it happens all the time, where yeah. Utah State um, feels like we have the better team or feels like we have a chance to to win, and we lose by 19 points yeah and that is that is the way this rivalry goes 
um, looking throughout this history, it feels like, you know, 2018 is a great example. Like we had one of the best teams we had uh, in a long time and we lose by, we lose by 11. Um, these guys are just, they meet us at their best and outplay us. And when we're at our worst, they, uh, they're there to, yeah. <laughs> to laugh, laugh all the way home. So uh, a huge, huge game, I would say, coming into this. Yeah, and I, I said as much in the in the preview that I wrote. Like, this is you know, there's there's a football game to play, and it's going to be a very physical football game. It's going to be a very difficult sixty minute football game. But there is also a distinct mental advantage that Boise State has that comes with winning nineteen of twenty against a team. You you have, like you said, you you expect to win that game at that point. You have a confidence that comes with that. And on the Utah State side you have that weight of those losses of, of losses that you had nothing to do with as players on these, on this team, you know, some were for some were around for, for more than one game, you know, some were around last year or for years before that. But there's a lot of this guy, uh, there's a lot of guys who contribute to this team who have never played Boise state, who have never you know been a part of this game, but they still, that weight is still there because that's what happens when you lose that many games in a you know in a time frame to to a team and when it's so unbalanced and you know over such a long period of time it's that's going back to 1998 and that pressure is unavoidable it's it's you feel it during the week leading up to the game in practice and in everything that you do and in, in film that urgency the coaches understand it the players understand it and then on Saturday, I'm sure they'll feel it in the stadium. I'm sure there will be a, a palpable anxiety in the stadium of I just just you know concern that it's going to be another one of those that it's going to be like the you know like 19 of the last 20, and you know that can that can fade if you play really well if you come out and 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 just you know are are better and you go and win the game, but it will be there and it will be something that this team has to work around and this is a team that has this is a Utah State team that has faced a lot of adversity this season and has I I think in general done a very good job of fighting back from you know difficult spots but it has also you know not won those games (laughs) very often like Blake Anderson was saying in his press conference earlier this week you know they 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 they've been in these moments where they're a player or two away from going and winning the game, like they were last year against Boise State, and and this season it was the James Madison game specifically, the Fresno State game specifically, and both times Utah State had the ball with the chance to go down and tie or win the game, and both times it didn't do it. Both of those drives ended in interceptions by different quarterbacks, um, yeah. and that is just the that's that's the you know the truth of it is that. To do this, to to snap a, a dry spell like that, to break the through the mental barrier that comes with playing a team that has beaten you so consistently, um, yeah. that requires a level of mental fortitude that will be above what it, what Utah State has been able to muster this season. Can it do that? Yeah, I think it can. I predicted that it will. Um, I don't know how great I feel about that, but uh, <laughs> we, you know, sometimes it's. Uh, I'm not putting actually. I'm not actually putting anything at stake when I do that, and so it's pretty easy to uh, to say, yeah, I think Utah State is a better football team, and I'll say maybe they figure it out this time. Um, but like that's that's going to be a big part of it. That is an intangible thing that will absolutely play a role in this game. Is the maturity of a young Utah State team to handle that that sense of just pressure and of concern that will live with them this whole week, and then that will be in the stadium on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to 
it, it's impossible to overstate what this game means to the fan base and to the players and the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's it's a it's a point that we're going to have to hurry off of just because we we don't have, as you mentioned, two hours to talk <laughs> about this. We could talk about the emotional um, implications of this game for the full two hours, you know, for yeah. uh, and then some. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's it's something that is going to require something more than we've seen not only out of this year's team, but probably out of any Blake Anderson team. Yeah. Uh, we saw a lot out of Blake Anderson's team, particularly that 2021 season where you had two power five wins, but those were power five wins um, against teams that we didn't have history with, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe we'll have a future with, as we uh-huh. talked about earlier, uh, earlier in the show, but we did not have history with, we beat a San Diego state team who all the blood, bad blood we have with the Aztecs is mostly on the basketball court. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the schools like each other a lot. The student sections certainly don't like each other, no. but it was, it's not Boise state. Uh, there's, there's only one Boise state in the league and it's Boise state. So yeah. I don't think we've ever seen, um, you know, Blake Anderson be able to win a game like this. He's no, won yeah. big games. Sure. He, he's beaten rivals, um, but he's never been able to beat uh, a team that there's just real genuine, um, I don't. I don't want to say bad blood, but I. I will. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know, your your I voices and your fair. BYU's and stuff, yeah. and, and <laughs> you know we really. Uh, yeah. These these players know what it means, and they. Uh, yeah, they they have. It's a tall tall ask to to go out and beat these guys who are clearly just historically better than you, but also just there's a lot of pressure. There's yeah. a lot riding on this, and and it does require more than we've seen from this team i think in in blake's entire tenure to be to be honest yeah and it's a balancing act it's you know i i've uh my my background in covering teams i've as i've talked about before i come from covering ohio state there's a pretty big game that ohio state plays at the end of every college football season and (laughs) there is a yeah you don't say yeah there's a there's a balancing act that comes with a big game like that that comes like a big game like this of you know that you have to, as a as a coach, as a you know a, a coaching staff and a program, and and even as just the players, you have to ascribe a, a, a sufficient level of importance to it in your mind. You have to think about it throughout the year. It has to be something that you prepare for throughout the year because there's a reason that it's a big game. There's a reason that it is routinely a big game, and and it it, it does require an extra level of focus above the other games that you play even. Um, and that's not to say that you don't pay attention to those games. It's just to say that, you know, that, that Boise state is coming at some point later on in the year, you know, that's going to happen. And that when you are, you know, when, when training is hardest, when practice is at its hardest, that is what you are preparing for is that game. And and there is an importance that you have to, that you have to give to this and you have to understand to win the game, to have any sort of chance of winning the game. It has to be important to you throughout the year. You have to understand the significance, but when you do that too much, (laughs) when it's the only thing that you think about and when the 19 of 20 is the only thing that you think about, um, you get yourself into trouble. This was something I mentioned, you know, the, the Ohio state Michigan game earlier for a reason. It's because Michigan was dealing with this for a really long time it became its own thing. It became a, a self, you know, perpetuating uh, program, just myth within within Michigan's football program of 
the inability to get over that hump, the inability to beat Ohio State that spanned good teams and bad teams. And it, it is a conf- it's a huge confidence boost for the team that's on the, the winning side of that. For the team that's on the losing side of that, it is um, hellish. It is awful. There's no, there's no right answer. There's no, you know, do we, do we, do we minimize it? Do we just treat it as any other football game? Coaches try that and it doesn't work. Do we make it the biggest thing? Do we, do we, you know, do we maximize (laughs) it? Coaches have tried that and it doesn't work. There's no right or wrong answer. It depends on your team. And it, it really does, you know, it, it's, it's coaches hate this. Coaches hate that, that, that anything that is like this, but I think it really honestly just comes down to the mental makeup, the mental fortitude of your guys. And that is something that is at this point, when you get to the game, totally out of your control. There's nothing you yeah. can do about it. They either are or they aren't. And they either have it or they don't. They either have the, the talent and the, the you know, the wherewithal to to withstand the pressure and to go and win the game, or they don't. And it's sealed at that point. There's nothing you can there's no game planning around it. There's no there's no preparing them. If they can't be prepared, they can't be prepared. And I don't really know that we, I don't know that we know <laughs> on, on Utah state, whether or not they can handle this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We've, we've seen them play 10 games and I still don't really know what they are and aren't capable of. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I, in theory, yes, I think if we're just, if, if there was no, if we stripped the proper nouns from this game, if we wiped the, if it was just you know a, a white helmet against a black helmet, uh, blank jerseys, everybody's just just you know no names on the back of the jerseys. They're playing in a in a neutral stadium, um, and we're just talking about this as a football game. I think Utah State's a better team than Boise State is because frankly, this Boise State team isn't very good, and they've gotten worse. Um, they're missing quite a few players who are very important to this team and they weren't all that good when they had them. Um, and I think Utah state is, if it was just a, you know, a neutral football game with nothing associated with it, I think Utah state could and, and very well would win. Um, but you can't do that. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can't strip it of those things. And so it, it becomes a much harder thing to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, that's why you play the game. I mean, that is, yeah. uh, the mental side of it is just as much a, a part as the as, as the physical side of it, and and it shows up in the final score. You uh, you might think that the final score is dictated by one one team's physical domination over the other, but it, it's it's mental as much as it is physical, particularly in a game like this. Yeah. Um, and this is also one of those games. It, it's funny. I I get the sense. Um, that our listeners are not going to believe us mm-hmm. when we talk about, you know, how bad this Boise state team is compared yeah. to other Boise state teams. Um, and so I, and you know, I'm one of them. I, yeah. I'm and I don't blame you. I, I, I get, yeah, I, don't I, get blame it. You. I understand the concern. I get it. <laughs> I have had a hard time believing my own eyes throughout this season as they've um, kind of hit these, these lows that they have, they've not seen in a long time. They've been fired. They fired a head coach mid season, which is, um, not the Bronco way, you know, yeah. that is not what they do. Um, and, and even then, like, yeah, I, I get it. This is a team that um, even in maybe their worst, certainly one of the worst teams they've had uh, in some time, it's going to take everything uh, from Utah state. It's going to take a uh, offense, defense, and special teams. that's playing at their best. Yeah. Uh, you, you're not going to win this game um, if you are, if you're not on, on top of your game. And I think that's what we're going to see. You know, that's like I said, that's why you play the game. Um, there's a mental side of it. There's a physical side of it. And Utah State's going to have to be 
at their peak on both of those all the way, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, all, you know, and, and special yeah. teams as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what it takes to beat these teams. You know, this is, like I said earlier, this is elevated, I think past the point of rivalry that we have with Wyoming and with San Diego state and other schools like this is, this is going to take our best game, even when Boise state is not, is not good. So that's, that's how I kind of, you know, yeah. I, I get it. This, this Boise state team is not that good. I do think we're the better team, but I also understand the people who are listening thinking, I don't believe you. This is yeah. Boise state. <laughs> I know what Boise state does. You're right. Yeah. So two things can be true at once. This is not a good Boise state team and it will still take our absolute best yeah. to beat these guys. It, it will like it, it, it could get very ugly. This is also a team. Um, these two teams are not afraid to run the score up on each other, particularly no. <laughs> them on us because we don't often get the chance. Yeah. Um, it could get ugly. It could get ugly either way, but I, I definitely understand that, uh, you know, to people who are listening that are thinking, I, I don't believe you. This is Boise state after all. Yeah. And it is. And, and there, there is always like, you know, that, that, that exists as a concern for a reason. Um, and, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's fair. They're still, even in a limited capacity, they're still one of the most athletic and talented teams in the conference. They're they're not deploying it in a very good way in a very good way this year, but it's still there. They still have like, you know, the defensive line. I, I pulled a stat for the preview. Um, they have one starter or, or potential starter, depending on injury stuff, who, who is 246 pounds. Everybody else who contributes on the defensive line: 272, 290, 292, 306, 326. Um, it is like, that's still, the athleticism has not changed. The size has not changed. Their entire offensive line is more than 300 pounds, not just in the starting lineup. I mean, the whole two deep, everybody there is over 300 pounds. Um, they are, they're, they're, they're built the same way they always are. It's just a matter of, you know, the development and the coaching has not quite been the, the same level, but, and they've had attrition, they've had injuries, they've had guys leave all of that stuff, but like, it is still physically a a Boise state team. And that has been as important as anything else over these last 20 games. Um, it is, as we, as we talk about the game here itself, um, the thing that, that I think uh, Blake Anderson is understandably most focused on this week um, in terms of like the biggest key to the game, and this is not something that he will be directly responsible for. This is a Joe Cawthon thing. Um, I think he's. I think they're right in in circling this as like if you don't do this, you're not going to do anything. Uh, it, that would be the Boise State running game against the Utah State run defense. Um, yeah. Yep. That Absolutely. is the. I would, if if Maddox Madsen were playing at quarterback, we're going to talk about their passing game in a little bit. If he were playing, I would say that the run game is where the offense starts. Um, he is not playing, so I will say the run game is the offense. This is the this is what they do. This is the only thing they really can do offensively. Um, Taylor Green's not passing the ball especially well, and they've got no receivers left. It's going to be the run game. <laughs> it's going to be the run game, and they could, you know, they can hope that it sets up some passes down the field, and maybe it will. Maybe you get lucky on one or two of them, but the run game is going to be how Boise State moves the ball. Is going to be how it scores. Is going to be how it wins if it's going to win. And for Utah State, stopping that or more realistically, slowing that down is the difference between being in the game and not being in the game. If you let them run all over you all day, they will do that gladly. 
um, this is a good run. This, it's a good running attack. Um, important to note the health of Ashton Genty, obviously the standout star halfback for them all season. He's been out for a couple games. Um, the word is, as of today, as we're recording on Friday, um, the word is that he will play. He's expected to play. He's been back to practice this week. However, I watched the video of him running around at practice earlier this week, and I watched the, you know, I, I saw when he got hurt a couple weeks ago, and he's been dealing with a leg injury. Um, he was wearing a non-contact jersey earlier on this week in practice. He can be expected to play all he wants. I don't think he's going to play a whole lot. That's my guess. That's my, my just from knowing how injuries work, knowing how, yeah. how this stuff usually goes. I think that this is probably a decoy situation more than anything where you might see him for 10 snaps. You might see him on the field. He might play in some capacity. I think he probably will play in some capacity. If Ashton Genty's taken 25 or 30 carries in this game, I would be, I would be stunned and I would be concerned about the, um, <laughs> the the safety of Boise State's players within their program. If that's if that's happening, yeah. if this dude is uh, is going yeah. back to action and immediately taking thirty carries, I don't think he's healthy enough to do that. I, I think that this is Genty uh, yeah. in a limited capacity I, here. I certainly hope that you are correct on this one, man. He is he is a phenomenal phenomenal running back. He leads uh, he leads the conference by far. Uh, well, not by far, but he he does lead. Uh, he, the conference he would in, had he played yards. Yeah, had he played every game, he would easily lead the conference. Right, he he leads the conference by a slight margin in yards, but he is by far the best running back in the conference. Is is yeah. what I would say on that. He is very, very good. This has been the story all year. Um, you know, the, the, there's no secret that Boise State has had um, every year, every single year. Man, I these guys. Um, every year they have something like this, but Ashton Genty is so good. And I don't know that we, I don't know that we'd have an answer for him if he's a hundred percent. Um, I don't know what he's, he's going to look like, um, even his backups. I mean, let's, let's, you know, it is, their running attack is about Ashton Genty, but it's also, there are some good guys behind him. George Helani, uh, particularly I think is, is. He's very, very scary. Yeah, several years um, starter. He's been around. He's he's you know, yeah, a former four star. Yeah. I mean, people are gonna rem- yeah, you'll you'll recognize the name George Alani and yeah. it's gonna send a shiver down your spine. Yeah. Um these guys, uh it's a very, very good running game with or without Ashen Genty. Uh if he is in and if he is healthy, even if he's eighty percent, uh that that's a very scary thing because he he moves the ball very, very well. Yeah, yeah. He has his top level is obviously higher than the other backs here. Is it's higher yeah, than anybody yeah. in the conference. He's he's missed, you know, two games and he's still leading the league in rushing yards. Um, he like would have the the pace was was significant had he played a full season. Um, he is he's very quick, but he's also really hard to get on the ground because he's five nine, two hundred and ten pounds. He's well built. Um, he's bigger than he looks, which is a compliment that he, he moves a lot faster than you would expect for somebody who is that big. Um, but he, you know, in, in a limited capacity, I would expect, I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know how effective he'll be. Like you said, if he was, what, if he was 100%, I have no idea how Utah state would, would 
contend <laughs> no with that. Clue. Um, probably <laughs> no not clue. well would be my guess. I would think just not well. I don't think <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, good guess. I, yeah, I think it would guess. just kind of be maybe you get lucky. <laughs> he fumbles the ball or something. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, like a lot, like yeah, five times. Yeah, like five times. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, plane crashes outside of the stadium and they have to cancel the game or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that seems oh, like the best gosh. bet for Utah State's defense if he's fully healthy. He's not. He's not going to be fully healthy. Um, it will be, I would, I would assume it's going to be a limited capacity. Holani is a good player. He is not a great player, but he's a good player. Uh, this line can move people on on the ground. That is what it is built to do. There's a lot of size up front. Um, and then the, uh, the freshman John Brez Dubar has been really, really good for them. I think that he is, um, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of, of, uh, of relief coming uh, with with you know any, anytime soon from you or from Boise State having star running backs he's the next one up uh, yep. six foot two hundred and eleven yep. pounds he's been very good for them I would guess it's going to be a heavy dose of him and Halani and then you might see Genty on the field as a you know uh, as the the guy to to be you know a threat and I think that. Um, there's no reason if you're Boise State on Friday, the, the Friday before a game like this, to come out and say, yeah, no, he's not going to play. You might as well say he's going to play. You might, you might as well say he's yeah. expected to play yeah. and make Utah State think about it. You might as well bring him back to practice. Um, I Again, I will, I will stress this as much as I possibly can. I would be shocked if he is, if he is anywhere close to fully healthy. I would be shocked. I, I think that this is – I think this is gamesmanship more than anything else. Um but that does not mean that Utah State can just breathe easy, breathe easy. It's going to require, I think, a better game from this run defense than we have seen it play in several months. It has been a yeah. minute since this run yeah. defense has played uh, in a way that I would describe as g- good. Um, it's struggled. They've struggled. They struggled against Nevada to to stop big runs. And I think that this is I don't I don't really know that there's going to be a great answer for it. I've kind of given up the ghost a little bit with Utah State's run defense. It just kind of feels like it kind of is what it is. I think the best approach here is probably just hunting for fumbles, hunting for turnovers, hoping that you can, you know, get some get some big plays, get them out of, you know, out of balance offensively and force some some passing downs force the passing game to beat you um tackles for loss sacks to put them behind the chains and then yeah. get a turnover or two i i think honestly i think that's the best hope that the defense has is, is play as sound as you can but understand that physically you're probably not going to win this battle up front very often you need to make big plays you got you have to be the you know you have to have more explosive plays as a defense than boise state does as an offense i think is going to be as key as anything because i just don't think that there's a great yeah. path for utah state to significantly shutting down this running attack they're just not big enough to do it that's true and it's it's a tough thing to ask i mean you're you're asking them to have more explosive plays in a team with that's very good on the ground yeah um, i'm glad you brought up the offensive line too from the broncos you know after ash and genty it this this offense is about that line as much as it's about anybody else yeah uh, ash and genty of course is a star uh, but after that it really is about that line um, Dubar is a uh, well-kept secret, but not for long. I think Utah State fans will get a, a healthy dose of him as well, and yeah. it will not be uh, it won't be fun. No. Um, I think there's there's enough we can do to keep these guys in containment if we're causing uh, causing some havoc uh, all around. But you're you're gonna have these guys run quite a bit. I think they're gonna be efficient on the ground, Halani and Dubar. 
Um, I would guess this, this is a team that's going to probably cross the, uh, the 2000 yard mark on the ground on the season on their first drive. Um, mm-hmm. They are currently at 1959. They are, uh, they're going to eclipse 2000 probably on their first drive. They're, yeah. They're going to move the ball really well on the ground. Uh, part of that as we'll get to in a, in a minute is because they're not going to be able to do it in the air very well. No, um, no, but they're, they're going to move the ball on the ground. It's just about keeping the containment where you can forcing some, forcing some turnovers, getting some explosive plays because uh, they're, they're not going to be stopped on the ground. They're, they're going to get, uh, they're going to get some yards. That's just what it is. You know, it's, it's Boise state. Come on. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, you know, another part of that is going to be Taylor green uh, who yeah, will yep. be playing quarterback here. Maddox, Maddox Madsen out for the season with a leg injury. Um, green. Uh, we, we, this is not the order we have the dock in, but I think we might as well just talk about the passing attack for Boise state now. Yeah. Get it out yeah. Of the way. Uh, so green is, an, uh, you know, I think he, he generally, you all know who I'm talking about when I say Taylor green, he played in the game last year. He was a standout as a redshirt freshman for them last year. Um, he is a very good runner at six, six, 221 pounds, I think. Um, what is it? Yeah, two. Yeah, 221. Uh, he's got 55 carries for 295 yards and six touchdowns this season. He will be an important part of the running game. They like to add him in. They will use him in that capacity. Um, and uh, beyond just what I was saying earlier, hunting for big plays, hunting for turnovers, I think that you will probably see Utah State commit a lot more to the box than it usually does in this game. I think you'll probably see safeties in there. I think you'll see safeties in there pretty frequently. I think Ike Larson will be in there a lot. I think you'll probably see a lot of Devin Dye in there. Um, maybe this is a, a game for Logan Peely to get some to you know get some more snaps because one, you need those extra bodies to try and slow down this rushing attack. And two, as we have alluded to, uh, these guys can't hit the broad side of a barn in a passing in the passing <laughs> game. They can't do. It. I mean, Taylor Green is not a capable passer. He's just he's not. He hasn't been this season. I think that last year Dirk Cutter did a very very good job of covering up what is not a good quarterback, uh, not a good passer of the football. He has a huge arm. He doesn't know how to use it, and they're certainly not telling him how to. They don't have the key. Um, he's got as many interceptions this year as he has touchdowns. He is hovering around 50% completion. He's not doing it on very good yards per attempt. I think he's around six, six and a half, seven ish. Um, seven and a half. Yeah. yeah. That's not, that's not very good, especially for a guy who has a huge arm. Um, and the, the, the problem has essentially been that he can't really consistently hit anything within a structure of the offense. His decision-making is not there he really has scrambled at pretty much the first sight of pressure uh, all season. And he's not particularly accurate when he does throw the ball, especially underneath. Um, he's good sometimes for a, a, you know, a deep ball or two, which was his best trade as a passer last year. Um, but those have, those have kind of gone away as well. He'll have, you know, he'll do it occasionally. Um, but he's just not, he's not a very good passer right now. And they're not really using him in a way to, to make it easier on him. And I I think that that's, you know, not entirely the fault of the staff as much as it is just that Dirk Cutter's a really good offensive coordinator and they don't have him around and it's going to get worse. You know, he's really good at making quarterbacks look better than they are. And they've, they've dealt with that with green this year. He was benched for a red shirt freshman for a large portion of this season. He's back now, but 
there was a reason he was benched <laughs> and there's yeah. a reason that he's yeah. been the backup for, you know, he, he has, he has technically started the vast majority of their games, but he's been, you know, out there throwing the ball three times, four times, eight times, things like that. It's, he's not been heavily featured. Um, and it gets harder. The last time that he was starting, their receiving core looked a lot better than it does now. Um, Stephen Cobbs is out for the year with an injury. Eric McAllister left for the team. Those are your two leading receivers. They're gone. Um, also up there at the top for receptions is Genty, who we talked about at length, uh, and it's not clear how much he's going to be involved. So they're leaning on for pass catching uh, Billy Bowens, who is a low-volume slot receiver. He is, I would say, ideally a number three or number four guy on your, you know, in your passing attack. He's the number one option right now. Um, true freshman Prince uh, Strawn, who I do like a lot. He's he's a freak athlete, six five. 203, um, but he has seven receptions on the year. He's just getting going. He's just starting to get involved. Um, and then redshirt junior Austin Bolt, uh, who has three receptions on the year, and then two blocking tight ends, uh, Matt Lauder and Riley Smith, who has been dealing with some injury stuff. Um, there's nothing there. There's just nothing there. And I, I say that knowing... You know, the, the same that we were talking about earlier, the back of your head thought of like, well, yeah, but what if there is, right? Like, what if they, what if they, what if <laughs> yeah, they figure it yeah. out? What if the, the freshman goes nuts? Like, I'm sure that that is a, you know, that feels like a Chekhov's gun of, oh, a six five freshman who's barely played, that guy's going to go for 300 yards. Um, and like, yeah, I don't know, maybe he does, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe he does. Um, but we can only really go on the 10 games that we have watched, the 10 games that we have seen, the 10 games that Taylor Green has played this year. And I'm telling you, this is not me being overconfident. This kid stinks. He's not good. He's just not a good quarterback. If you pressure him, he will throw the ball directly to a defender. He does not read defense as well. He doesn't throw the ball especially well. He's not being coached well. It would be a major, major, major departure from everything he has done this season if he plays well. That is, that's where it is. He's just not been good this year. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. And here's here's a little bit of context again for for the the people listening that don't believe us. Which yeah. again, I <laughs> I get it. I'm one of you. I get it. Brendan Lewis of Nevada has more completions than this guy. Mm. That's not good. Oh. That is really, really not good. No. Um, I mean, he has more than Zach Larrier. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you you, you th- you're throwing the ball better than the Air Force quarterback. Good job. Good that job. is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- their quarterback situation has been terrible. I know Utah State fans have been frustrated with our quarterback situation. Theirs is worse. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. It's it's a beautiful thing when, when they have a bigger mess on their hands than we do. Hopefully we can turn it into a win because that would make it, you know, actually matter. But yeah, yeah. their quarterback situation has not been good. Taylor Taylor Green was benched um, because he was struggling, I think, yeah. pretty significantly. And I understand the Cooper Cooper was not playing at his best, but I still maintain that Cooper was benched because of more of what McKay was doing probably in practice, what Blake signed McKay than anything. Yes, um, this is a different situation. I think this was uh, Taylor Green was not playing. Uh, at least, at least not to the Boise State standard, which unfortunately is a really high standard. But he was not playing that well. Maddox Madsen, of course, having to have to step in, and they've had a mess. I, I don't think Taylor Green is that guy. He has not been, um, he's not been super efficient. He's not been good. I know there's, you know, there's guys on this team that Utah State fans are gonna maybe recognize and, and be scared of, and I, I get it. But Austin Bolt, who we were recruiting, I think for football and basketball, a lot of the Utah State fans 
might might recognize that name. Yeah. Um, but again, don't worry. Take a deep breath. Um, this is not going to be the Boise State passing attack that tears us up. Um, unless it is, but yeah, in, I don't in, think it in is. Theory. I, I don't would, think this is the year. I, I will say if that happens, it is not a Boise State thing that caused it. That would be a Utah yeah, State th- oh, related. That's true. Yeah, that's that is a, good... a that is a Utah State problem. If this passing yep, game goes goes out. you know uh, nuclear on you, you have much bigger problems than that it was against Boise State. That is a Utah yep. State uh, issue. If that happens, yeah, that's fair. That's that's a good call. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, they're just, it's not been very good. And, and, and green was, yeah, green was benched and his benching has, you know, it, it is one of those, like, like you were saying, Utah state has had its own quarterback controversy that has been very frustrating for, for Aggie fans. But, um, Boise States has been a lot more damaging, both in the fact that, you know, the, the thing that caused it was that, you know, extreme poor performance and in that the locker room has been kind of fractured by it. And I think Andy Avalos right, kind of yeah. got fired because of that. Um, yeah, like yeah, they, sure. they, their leading receiver by a wide margin left the team a couple weeks ago. Um, there are guys on this team who were very much tail and green guys who have not really been involved since that happened. And this is a, a, a team that has had a lot of internal strife and is down a lot of players. Um, yeah. And you see some of those on the offense. But really, the place where that has hit hardest, where attrition has hit hardest and in injuries, is on the defense. Um, and, and we can move to that side of the ball now. Um, you, you were mentioning earlier that this is, you know, the, the, the Avalos firing being a, a significant break and, a, a, you know, from, from the way that this program usually operates and one that, you know, it's been years since that has happened. And it's, it's been about 30 years since that has happened. Um, this, so I pulled this stat for the preview. I don't know if you've read the preview yet. And I, I if you have not, I will ask you, um, this Boise State defense is surrendering. Let me get the exact number for points per game. Um, yeah, they are allowing 27.4 points per game, which is 78th nationally. Uh, Parker, do you know when the last time a Boise State defense finished allowing more points per game than that? Oh man, I, I have no idea. Just based on the last time we've played them, uh, which is probably the last time they were really bad, I'd say 2015, but I, I have no idea. 1998. Oh my goodness! It's been. This is the worst Boise State oh, defense. I was for a scoring. baby. I was barely alive. Yeah, yeah this is oh, the man. and that that is going back to our record. We beat them back to back in ninety six, ninety seven. So that that matches up. Yep, they beat us that year, but still not. Yeah, that would be wow. dirt. that was that was Cutter's wow. Cutter's first season at the helm, nineteen ninety eight. They were slightly worse. <laughs> they were slightly worse on defense. <laughs> yeah. wow. There have been some that were kind of close, uh, but twenty seven point four, where it currently stands, is the worst that Boise State's defense has been since nineteen ninety eight. Uh, I believe that Bill Clinton was the president when that was happening. It has been a minute since there has been a defense this bad at Boise State. Um, and the primary cause, um, and, and the stats are not fully reflective because there is some, some play calling rate weirdness, which we've talked about a couple times this season with, with defenses. I think San Jose States had some of this going on. San Diego States had some of this going on. Um, but, uh, Boise State, it, the, the run defense statistically has been relatively okay. The pass defense has been a disaster, and I want to—I mentioned the the play calling rate stuff because I do want to say 
Boise State is seeing the 16th lowest run play rate and the 118th uh, uh, passing play rate. Teams are passing nearly 55% of the time on this defense, which says something about the pass defense. It says it's not very good. Um, But for total numbers, you do need to take some of it with a little bit of a grain of salt. I don't think that the pass defense is quite as bad as it says statistically. I think they're like 126th or something for total passing yards allowed per game. Um that's not very good. I don't think it's fully that bad, but the passing defense is the weaker part of this defense, and I think that's where we're going to start in talking about the Utah State offense. Um, that's an opportunity, I would say. Based on what I know yeah, about Utah yeah. State and the way that this offense operates, this passing defense being so shaky, having to replace several NFL guys both in the pass rushing unit and in the secondary, that is an opportunity for Utah State. Yeah, it absolutely is. You you have it written out in in our notes here it is jarring to see a boise state defense this bad passing defense this bad um again (laughs) our our listeners are not going to believe us but um it's it's not great it's it's really not good it's as you mentioned it's probably the worst you know one of the worst defenses this team has seen in decades probably at least in, in in terms of points given up the passing defense is not is not very good. This is not your. Uh, this is not your father's Boise State defense. You know, when you think of Utah, uh, when you think of Boise State defense, you think of just big burly dudes with the uh, the cowboy neck collar. Is what it's called? You know, they. I, I feel like that's just kind of the stereotypical. Yeah. Um, if you were to ask to ask a AI to build a Boise State player, <laughs> that's what it would be. Um, this isn't it. This is not the Boise State defense that we've uh, grown up to 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 know and hate. Yeah. Um, it's it's an opportunity. I, I this I can't remember the last time. Uh, yeah, I can. Twenty eighteen. But other than that, I can't remember how I can't remember how often. It's not often that you go into a game thinking our passing game has a real opportunity here. Yeah. And the only reason you thought that in eighteen was because Jordan Love was your gunslinger and he could you know he turned anything into an opportunity. Um, that said more about us than them. This uh, this pass defense by Boise State it's not good. It's it's a real opportunity for Cooper to to get that first win against the Broncos. It's. Um, it, it's there. There's significant yards on the table here if we can uh, if we can put together a good passing game. Yeah, this is going to be the place where if Utah State can keep up and maybe win this one, it'll be with this. It'll it'll be yeah, with that, taking advantage true. here. Um, this defensive line is has has gone through it a little bit with injuries. Um, they have been without Gabe Hunter for basically the entire season. Cortez Hogan's has been in and out of the lineup. I think he'll probably play in a limited capacity. Um, I'll also say just personal opinion. He's not very good. And so I'm not really all that worried about it because <laughs> like, he's just, he's just some guy. Um, he's, he's fine. He's an okay player. Uh, Dimitri Washington has been out since I think the San Jose state game. He's one of their better edge rushers. His availability is yet unknown. I'd be surprised if he plays here. Um, and so on the defensive, in the defensive end room, they're kind of just left with two guys. Um, that would be, uh, Ahmed Hassanin, who has been there for a while. He's been a good player for them. He is a good player for them. His stats are solid. He's pretty easily the best pass rusher on the team. Um, he's a guy to worry about. Number 91 is somebody you will want to watch on Saturday because he will be, you know, Utah State's going to have to answer for him. He's a good player. Uh, opposite him is redshirt freshman Jaden Virgin, who is just not really there yet. He's a young guy, hasn't really done a whole lot, not super experienced. He's just kind of you know, the guy who's there. There's not a whole lot else in this depth chart. I think if Hogan's is healthy enough to play, he'll probably play here. But again, I, I don't think that the other defensive end spot is going to be all that 
impactful in this in this pass rushing unit because it hasn't really been this season. And then on the inside, these tackles aren't really pass rushers. That's not how they're built necessarily. Uh, sophomore Braxton Feely has been starting opposite or next to rather nose tackle Herbert Gums. Uh, you'll probably see some Michael Callahan behind Feely and some Sheldon Newton behind Gums. Um, none of these guys have really been especially effective as pass rushers. They're all pretty big. Uh, Feely is the smallest of the bunch. He's six one two ninety, really uh, tiny compared to the other guys for sure. Oh, six one two ninety, just just a little fella. Um, but uh, he is the smallest of the bunch. It's you know, Gums is six one three zero six. He's a he's a space filler at nose tackle. He's a run stopper. Uh, Callahan is six four two ninety two. He's in theory, a pass rusher. He's not very good at it, but I guess he's in that spot, technically speaking. Both of those guys, him and Feely, have been more focused on stopping the run. And then Newton is a, a tremendous player. Very, very good. He's 6'3", 326, though, and he can't stay on the field for more than a couple plays at a time. Um, and also, he's certainly not rushing the passer. He has no interest in doing that. Um, and so... It's pretty much just 91 <laughs> for, for pass rushing, yeah. and it has been yeah. for a lot of this year. You'll see a little bit of involvement from the linebackers. DJ Schramm is not really a blitzer. He's he's more of a, a run stopper. He's also been in and out of the lineup. Um, Andrew Simpson has been, I think, the most effective blitzer of their linebackers and, and probably will do some of that in this game. But also, we've talked about throughout the season – Blitzing against Utah State is not necessarily a great approach, and I don't think Boise State is going to do yeah. a ton of it. I think for pass rushing, it's pretty much going to be the guys who I've laid out. Yeah, it's going to be Ahmed Hassanin. He's been very, very good. He has nine sacks on the season. Uh, he, he's cost opposing teams 70 yards on sacks alone. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, in both of those numbers, the yards and the sacks, he's second only to Muhammad Kamara of Colorado State, who, we, who we've talked about as one of the best yeah. edge rushers in – yeah, um, he, 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 he is the, I think the best compliment I could give him is that he is our default answer for who the just a, a, an effective edge rusher is in the Mountain West. He's the first name we go to every time. Yeah, he, he's phenomenal. And so to be second to him is uh, basically first of everybody else. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're basically the you're basically the best edge rusher outside of the the, the real best edge rusher who, yeah. who is you know untouchable. It's Kamara all the way, but uh, yeah, that guy's good. He's very very scary, and like you said, he's kind of doing it all on his own. He's not getting a lot of a lot of help from other guys. Um, he's good. He's very good. He's gonna get to he's gonna get to coop probably more than once. Uh, our ability to keep uh, keep our quarterbacks upright has been. Um, not great all year uh they're they're getting pressure a lot all year so yeah hopefully uh hopefully you keep him upright and keep him uh keep him you know give him time but i would i would guess that hasani is going to cause problems in the backfield but uh this still you know outside of that there's there's still a huge opportunity here they're not going to blitz um which is fine because you still have probably some of the best receivers you have guys that are going to be able to get involved uh downfield so like you said, if Utah State's going to be in this game, if they're going to win this game, it's going to depend on their ability to pass the ball. Yeah. Um, and they have the weapons to do it. They've, they've had the weapons all year. That's kind of what, we, what we've talked about. You know, if you can get Jalen Royals and these guys going, there's not a lot of teams that can keep up with you. You just have to figure out a way to, to get it going. Yep, yep. Just have to uh, have to stay upright long enough to do it, basically, yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is the deal. That's hard. Yeah, it is hard to do, and it has been an issue for Utah State at times this season. Not 
as often as it was last year, I would say. And the receivers are certainly better than they were last year for Utah State. Um, And then in the, in the secondary, and this is where the, the, you know, if you can keep them upright, you can, you can, you can get busy a little bit because this secondary, despite having, I think, plenty of experience, you know, you, you look at the starters, it's all upperclassmen. Um, it's guys who have been around. Um, they, this secondary is really, really disappointed and it has not even seen a ton of, of injury, you know, like, uh, they, they have been without, uh, Kaonohi, I, I want to get his name right. Kaonohi, uh, Kaniho, the, uh, the starting cornerback from last season, who was kind of expected to fill one of those roles again this year. He's not really played much this year. He's been out for most of the season. Um, Markel Reed has been in and out of the lineup, redshirt senior at, at corner. And so they're relying on guys who are veterans, technically speaking, who are upperclassmen, technically speaking, in Jalen Clark and uh, Amarian McCoy at the two cornerback spots. But both of these guys have been picked on because neither one of them is really a starting caliber cornerback at this point in their careers, especially Clark, who has to play essentially as a as a you know a cornerback right. one. He has size for it. He's six two two oh one. He has the athleticism for it, but he's not very good at it. And those two have both really been kind of kind of taken advantage of this season. They they've been thrown yeah. on a lot by a lot of teams. And you would have to think that Utah State's receivers have an advantage there. Um, I, I do think that this is one of the few secondaries that has somebody who can account for largely on his own Terrell Vaughn, um, and that would be Shea Aladipo, who is fantastic at Nickelback. He's excellent. He's a very, very good player. He's been around. He was he was here last year as well. Um, and then their safeties, I think, are just kind of there. They're fine. Rodney Robinson and uh, Alexander Tubner, they're both just guys they're fine they're good players um this is just it's not as good a secondary as they're as they're accustomed to and it is a this is where the opportunity lies is with receivers winning one-on-one matchups against cornerbacks who are not especially good yet yeah no this is absolutely right i mean this is an offensive uh, this is an offense that can create mismatches for for utah state um we talk a lot on this show about uh, Micah Davis being your number three guy and creating a mismatch there. This is a Boise State team that might give us a mis- mismatch at the top. Um, and if you're mismatched at the top with Jalen Royals, um, <laughs> the rest is just going to fall into place for Utah State. You mentioned yeah. they have, uh, uh, you know, okay, you guard, uh, you, you know, Terrell Vaughn. They have a guy that can kind of keep up with Terrell Vaughn. But uh, then what? Then you have yeah. two guys that are still, you know, in Jalen Royals and Micah Davis that are just going to be able to, to pick up a lot of yards. Um, if you're, if you're not relying on Micah Davis to create a mismatch, which that's fine when you do, but if you're not, you're, you're probably going to be getting a lot of yards or at least the, the opportunity is going to be there. Yeah. Um, this is a very good, uh, very good receiving core. And, you know, Aladipo can, you know, take, take Vaughn out of a game for the most we've part. We've seen that happen before. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've seen a game won by Jalen Royals, Pretty much, pretty much just by Jalen Royals, but with a little bit of Micah Davis, Brock Lane, Colby Bowman in there. Um, this is a very formidable uh, receiving core that you can take one guy out entirely, let alone, I mean, I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if that really happens, but uh-huh. uh, they, they have the guys, they have the weapons to really uh, work around good defense, especially if it's just a one-on-one matchup that's in their favor. Yeah. We have two other guys that we can throw to. Yeah, and I, and I mean... 
you know, Oladipo saw some of Vaughn last year in this game, and Vaughn very nearly won that football game by himself for, for Utah State. It's not a defense that's terribly well prepared to handle a very good slot receiver in the way that it's built. Um, Oladipo as a player can do that, but you're asking a lot of the guy because I don't think Clark or McCoy is particularly well suited to do, you know, single man coverage on, on Royals or Davis for the full game. And so yeah. you are taking, yeah, well, you're taking yeah. safeties away, right? You're taking Robinson yeah. and Tubner have to deal with that. They have to help that out because I'll tell you right now, if you put Jalen Clark on Jalen Royals, Jalen Royals is going to win the foot race every single time they do it. He's fa- oh, he's, yeah, he's every, faster every than time. Jalen Clark is. He just that's true. That's almost true always. But yeah, he's it's especially true fast. here. It's especially, especially true, true here. Clark is more long than he is quick. Um, and Jalen Royals, I think, would gladly take advantage of that and beat him in a foot race forty times in this game. And I think Utah State would be happy to do that. And so. You are going to have to dedicate safeties over there, and, and Aladipo, for as good as he is, if he doesn't have safety help, and these linebackers, Simpson is a better you know coverage guy than Shram is, but these linebackers aren't great in coverage. That's yeah. still asking a lot of a good player to handle Terrell Vaughn in man coverage yeah, leave, for an entire leave him game. On an island against that, Vaughn, come on, with no safety yeah. help. Uh, that's a lot. That's you are asking for a seam route right there. That is a yeah. very good way to get seam <laughs> yep. routes thrown on you, uh, to get really just about everything thrown on you. Um, it's a tall task for this secondary, and I don't know that they're really up for it if Utah State can get to the part of the play where it is attacking the secondary. That's going to be the key. Um, rest of the defense, as for the, the running game for Utah State, I think that the best hope here for Utah State's running game, and, and Utah State's running game, I think, deserves some respect. It's been really good this year. Boise State's run defense has been solid and has a ton of size up front, which is a concern. I ran through the weight and size of those guys earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. Simpson and Schramm are both run stoppers at linebacker. They're both good players. They are without – Boise State is without um, – uh, Marco Notriani, who has been fantastic for them this season. He's their leading tackler at linebacker. He's really filled in while Shram has been injured throughout the year. Um, he's not playing. And so the linebacker depth here is not good. Uh, it's Shram, it's Simpson, and then it is redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman, and freshman. Guys who have not played a whole lot. If either one of those guys has to leave the field under any circumstances, the linebackers are going to be very weak and the safeties are going to be preoccupied, I would say. That is my guess. There's room to work if you can get past the line. That's a big if. It is not easy to do necessarily, but it has been done. This run defense is 99th in success rate, or uh, yeah, 99th in success rate, 42nd in run play explosiveness. Um, it is also 71st in passing play success rate and 102nd in passing play explosiveness. Doesn't create a ton of havoc. Line yards is 78th. Teams have moved the ball on these guys. Utah State is not all teams. Utah State is not as big as a lot of teams that, that have moved the ball on these guys, but it's there. The opportunity is there for Utah State to go and do this, to move the ball on this defense to, I, I think, try to make a, a shootout of this and to bank on basically having the healthier and, with that said, the better perimeter players, the better skill guys, to, to turn this into a battle on the outside and to win it there. That's always the path for Utah State, but I think it's especially the path here, and I think that it is, I think it's there. I think it is absolutely there that they can, they can turn, if they can turn the game into that, I think they would win. Yeah, I agree. I think I think 
like we kind of said at the top of this, you know, as we got into this, if Utah State's going to win this game, it's right here. It's it's their ability to pass the ball. Um, it's the the opportunities there. If they get to the point where they are moving, you know, throwing the ball and, and really attacking, um, not not passing to set something else up, but really just attacking that secondary, uh, you're you're going to see a lot of good results. I think that's that's exactly where Utah State wants to be. Yeah. Yeah, if you can do that and then, you know, pop a couple big runs with Russell Faison or yep. Davon Booth or Robert Briggs and keep those guys, you know, cycling in so that they are not just one guy sustaining 40 hits from a really physical defense like what they had to do last year with Calvin Tyler, um, you can run the ball as well. You know, there's there's room to do that if you're backing those safeties off. If you are, you know, hitting those linebackers and wearing them down because uh, they're not going to really be able to leave the field, there's... Yeah. there's room here. I'll say it against this defense. I know that yeah. the, you know, the, the, the Boise state defense comes with, with its own uh, set of, of, you know, mental advantages essentially from how good it has been for so long, <laughs> yeah. but there's yeah. room here for Utah state. If it plays its best game offensively to really do some damage to these guys. Yeah. And it is going to take, you know, playing your best game offensively. It's, it's going to take, you know, the tale of two Coopers, we've we've seen good Cooper, we've seen not good Cooper. We need good Cooper in this yeah. team. We need smart, and, decisive. And confident Cooper, yeah. Confident Cooper, yep. We need we need him to play at or near his best to, to get this done, even against a vulnerable Boise State passing defense. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I would agree with all of that. I think that's where it's at, basically. I, I think you need Utah State to be, you know, its best version of itself, needs to be confident, needs to be decisive, needs to make this its game, right? To to play the Utah State way and ra- rather than the Boise State way. It can't right. be a slow running first game. It has to be you got to make them play a shootout. You got to make Tail and Green beat you, right? You have to say, "Okay, let's let's uh we're going to put a bunch of point. We're going to put a bunch of points on the board. We're not going to let you get the the big breakaway running plays. If you're going to beat us, you're going to do it through the air <laughs> with these receivers yeah. and with Tail and Green. If Utah State can do that, if Utah State can turn this into a battle of wide receivers and corners and safeties, Utah State has the advantage, I think, and quarterbacks. I think Utah State has the distinct advantage there. Um, it's just a matter of doing it, and that requires uh, a level of competence from both of these offensive and you know the offensive and defensive lines. It requires a, a game plan that centers that, and it requires in the moment when things maybe aren't going right because it won't all go right. It's never that never happens. When things go wrong, it requires a level of poise from a young Utah State team and. I think that's the path. I, 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 you know, it's possible. It's also going to be hard. It's going to be really hard, and, and it always is. It's just that's. I think that's where. I think that's where we're at with this one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, you want to talk basketball? Yeah, let's uh, let's run through that. So the women's team plays just <laughs> like in mm-hmm. a couple hours as, as you're we listening record to this. this. Yeah, they're on. Um, they're so- on right now. Just turn the TV on. <laughs> Yeah, if you're listening to this, turn it on. Um, hopefully, yeah, yeah, or it's yeah, yeah. It's either it's either on or it's over by the time you get into this episode. Um, they are playing in-state rival, in-state opponent, depending on how you want to phrase that exactly. Uh, Weber State, Weber State's zero and three. They're a good zero and three to be. You know, if there's uh, such thing, you know, it's a it's consolation prize if there ever as uh, ever was one. Yeah, they played a tough schedule: three road games against uh, BYU, UVU, and Boise State. Utah State, of course, two and one. Um, one and two, yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Um, I think uh, this is you know it's it's a home game for Utah State. They have some momentum. I think they're starting to figure some things out on offense. They're getting uh, more involvement from the scorers that they need. Um, it's there's there's just no such thing as an easy game with this team. They just haven't been able to establish themselves as a team that can really just go in and take care of business. But uh, Cheyenne Stubbs is is starting to look really good on offense. They got Ivory Finley a lot more involved. Um, this past game at Kansas City, uh, there's definitely opportunity here. I, I, I think Utah State has a chance to to win this game, get back in the win column, stay in the win column, get some momentum going. Yep, yep. I think that that is. I think that's about the size of it. This is a uh, a, a good chance for Utah State against a beatable opponent, but got to play another good game. Essentially, <laughs> got to play another yeah, good game. Yeah. It's a veteran team. Like you said, not the the record not entirely fair to Weber State. They are playing a a preposterous non conference schedule. Um, this is they still they don't have a they don't have a home game until December sixth, and then they don't have another one until twenty twenty four. It it is it's a lot for them, uh, yeah, but a chance for tough. Utah State to uh, to get to five hundred and to increase that that winning streak over Weber State to six games. Um, hopefully I get this posted in time that you were listening to it before that game starts. Um, that tips off at six in Logan. Um, men's team will be back in action after a, uh, after, after the win over Southern Utah. I think we talked about that on the last show, right? Did we? Maybe we didn't. I don't know. Um, I wrote about it. It does. It doesn't. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we didn't. Um, Regardless, I, there's, there's, we've covered it plenty. I, <laughs> I've written about it. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be back in action. They're two and one, uh, heading to the Cayman Islands Classic for the first round matchup with Marshall. Um, it will be either Akron or FIU on Monday in the second round, and then one of four teams going off the dome here. I think it's, um, I think it's Stephen F. Austin, uh, Drake, LMU. And Oakland are the four on the other side. Um, so it'll be one of those. <laughs> Regardless of what happens with Utah State, it'll be one of those. Uh, Marshall is the only one I can really preview yet because I don't know who they're going to play in the next rounds. Um, Marshall is I, I, kind of rebuilding. They're one and one right now. This is a, a Dan D'Antoni team, which means that they go at a, a lightning pace. They are, I think, top 15 or top 10 for adjusted tempo. They've been pretty good defensively. Uh, they force a lot of turnovers. Offensively, they are very much a work in progress right now. The key stat that I just want to bring to everybody's attention heading into this game, because I saw this last night, and it felt to me like maybe something that is going to override anything else that happens in this basketball game um, and and essentially make anything that Marshall is good at uh, or that Utah State is, is struggling with, uh, difficult for Marshall still to overcome or take advantage of. Um, Marshall's starting lineup here, sizes of these guys, 6'1", 190, 6'3", 181, 6'8", and 6'8", There's nobody on the team taller than 6'9", and nobody on the team heavier than 222 pounds. You need to cover great Asabar, and nobody on the team is going to do it. I think that might be the entire basketball game. I think that there's going to be yeah. some times this season <laughs> yeah. where Utah State... No matter what the matchup looks like everywhere else, Utah State is simply, um, it, it possesses one great Osibar, and that is going to be far too many for a lot of opponents to deal with. I don't know who defends this guy. 
I think he's yeah, probably going to take about right. 20 free throws and the, the game will be over because of him uh, almost exclusively. That's Utah State is bigger than a lot of teams it's going to play this year. And I think that uh, I would I would encourage you to enjoy that as a Utah State fan. That is not always, you know, that's 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 fairly rare that Utah State can go into a game with a team like Marshall and feel very confident about the fact that it is bigger than basically every single player in their starting lineup. It is the more it, it is the larger, more physically impressive and athletic team than Marshall is. And this is an athletic Marshall program. Um, that's where we're at headed into this one. Yeah, that, that's going to be the story. I think a lot. Uh, great Osibor is he's great Osibor, and you got to find an answer for him. And if not, he's going to win games. So I think that's going to be uh, that could be the you know how that now that game against Marshall goes. Yep. And if it does, uh, get used to it. It's going to happen more than once this year. Yep. For sure. Probably could happen even more than once in this uh, this non conference tournament. I think <laughs> and this distinct, week, yeah, get yeah distinct possibility. Um, yep. All right, Mountain West preview here, real quick. There's not a whole lot going on in the league. The the one big game, I think really, honestly, the one game even worth talking about in any detail yeah, is, of course, yeah. UNLV at Air Force. Um, big game at the top of the conference. Both teams currently 5-1, and one, I believe, in the standings. Uh, winner will have a, a very clear path, if not clinch. I don't know if they do cl- I, I don't know the exact circumstances, but they would be in a very good position to secure their bid to the Mountain West title game. Loser has a lot of work to do. Air Force obviously has lost two in a row. UNLV is red hot. Um, I don't know who's going to win. I, I really don't. I really have no idea because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what has gone wrong with Air Force. And so that's a critical uh, issue in trying to figure out what happens here is not knowing exactly what has happened to Air Force. Um, but I think it's going to be really fun. Very fun clash of styles. Very important game. Uh, this one is uh, this one's good. Yeah, it's uh, the Mountain West put out a tweet this morning, I think. I saw it today, uh, basically saying, hey, look, we got, you know, it's going to be an exciting two weeks or whatever. We have seven teams competing for a chance to play in the title game. Five of them could still host, which seven, I think, includes Utah State somehow. I don't know how, Uh, but seven teams at this point is a lot. That seems crazy. And looking at this UNLV Air Force uh game it's crazy that there are five other teams with a chance to play in the the championship game but um obviously a lot of that will depend on this game this is uh definitely the the highest stakes game of the week um as we as we wind down this year uh big game huge game uh UNLV at Air Force so it'll be uh it'll be high elevation and, and nice and cold for the Rebs but we'll see uh, we'll see how that one goes it'll be fun yeah I think if if um I I don't know how the tiebreakers work. It it gets to a level of complicated that I can't think about. Um, I I think <laughs> yeah. if Utah State does actually technically have a path to the title game, you I would I would assume it would include rooting for Air Force in this game because Utah State could in theory have a tiebreaker over UNLV because they didn't play. Um, that is where I I think it is because Utah State does not have conference wins over any of the teams that it would be competing with at yeah, this at yeah. this stage with San Jose yeah. State, with Air Force, Fresno State, um, could have one over Boise State that would be very helpful, um, but uh, did not play UNLV or Wyoming. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see where that goes, but that's, that one's going to be really fun. The rest of these are pretty bad. San Diego State at San Jose State. Um, I'm good. I think I'll pass on that. I would guess that San Jose State is going to, uh, probably get pretty nasty in that one. <laughs> probably gonna do. Yeah, probably not gonna that's... treat San Diego State with a whole lot of respect. Yeah. Um, yep. 
especially on the ground. I think probably going to be a pretty good day on the ground for those guys. Uh, New Mexico at Fresno State, Hawaii at Wyoming, and Nevada at Colorado State are the last three. Uh, boy, those are bad. Those are bad. Um, not a whole lot going yeah. on. Not a whole lot going on there. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, it's definitely – there's two games this week. It's it's Utah State-Boise, yep. and then it's UNLV Air Force. Those are the two big games in the conference for sure. Yep, and we will be back on the recap show to break down um, probably both of those, one in, in a great deal more detail than the other. But uh, we will uh, – yeah, we'll be here with the recap show.